Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Yuri Stompflaner. I probably destroyed your name. I'm sorry. No, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you want to just remind people who you are? Yeah, sure. As you said, I'm Yuri Stromfelder. I'm from basically Italy, the very northern part, so in the middle of the Alps. And I'm a Google developer expert in web technologies, specifically in Angular. Right now, I'm focusing very much into Angular and everything around it. And I'm also doing some ACAD video courses online. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, I think we went for an episode 193 of Adventures in Angular, which came out as we record this about a month ago. A little more than a month ago. So. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Anyway, yeah, this show, we kind of try and capture who you are and what you're about and all that good stuff. So let's go ahead and get a little bit of your story. And uh, the, the place that I usually like to start is, how did you get into programming? Well, I actually had to think about that a bit because I actually couldn't recall when I actually everything started. So it was around more or less, I guess, in the end of the elementary school, sort of starting of the middle school, so around 11, 12 years. But it wasn't really programming, but uh, my dad basically had a computer and I was always already interested in basically playing around with the computers. Uh, I also got a typewriter, so I, I, I was just being there writing down letters on a typewriter. And one day he said, basically, when he got his computer for work, basically at home, and he, he asked me whether I would like to, to write my, my homework down with the computer. And I was like, yeah, sure, Let, show me how it works. And, and so that was when I met Windows 3.1 at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first experience basically with a personal computer uh, and with Microsoft Word. And it, it might sound strange, but that was actually when I started to get into programming because... Uh, one day, uh, I discovered that uh, red button, you could click on that uh, menu inside Microsoft Word, which basically did some macro recordings. And that was really cool because uh, all of a sudden I could record uh, things. I could automate some some basic steps in my Word document and then hooked it onto toolbars and so on. And at, at one day, and then I even discovered, like I was wondering how that actually works. And, and so I, I tried to dig a bit deeper. And that was when I then saw the editor behind the scenes, so which records basically instructions and, and how things actually worked with these macros. Uh, and so I started to dig in and, and try to understand how the, the different commands worked. And then I tried to 
change them basically and then customize them. So that was actually my first experience with programming, if you want to call that programming. Awesome. It's it's interesting how many people come into programming from, oh, how do I do this? Or well, how does this work? And they start fiddling with it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is fun. And then, you know, they move on to other things and, and learn to do different things with it. So, so if that kind of piqued your curiosity with Windows 3.1, which I'm an old guy, so I remember that stuff too. Um, <laughs> how did you get all the way into like JavaScript to me? Well, that took a long way, actually, because I then remained more or less like I went to, to high school then, which was but more a commercial oriented school. So we did, had some business informatics there. You couldn't really call it computer science. And uh, I, I still continued to do some visual basics for applications. So inside Excel, I created basically some, some small applications, which even my dad used to work at that time. So to do some basic calculations. And, and that was really fun because I, I learned a lot out of that. And I got into real programming only later uh, when I basically left high school. So starting with university there, I had really my first programming class where we started to do Java at the time. Mm -hmm. So that was how we started to really learn the different constructs and, and how classes, object orientation, that kind of stuff worked. And that was also the time when I really then realized a lot of stuff I have had already been doing, but I didn't actually know why. So it was basically that a lot of things start to really make sense. And JavaScript was only very, very later. So I started um, doing some GWT at that time in university, but always on my own. So I started to do some side projects and uh, I really loved to, to play around with UI. And Google at that time released the GWT, so the Google Web Development Toolkit. And you could really build like applications which were similar to Gmail, which was really cool. And obviously that time writing it in Java. And so I continued that way. And then later I got more into web when I started to actually work. That was totally on the other side. So I started then at that time with Microsoft Technologies. So I came out of university and basically started working at a Microsoft shop. So a lot of web with ASP, ASP.NET at that time. Uh, and then Around that time also, basically, the whole web started to shift more to that single page application kind of thing. And so that made me curious because as mentioned, I had already some experience with GWT, although you didn't actually write JavaScript, but you, you compiled it to JavaScript. You had from time to time to, to look into the source code. And, and so I, I dig more into that JavaScript front-end part and started basically also to to transform our ASP.NET server-side rendered applications to more like APIs with single-page applications on the front end. So that was when my transition basically happened. Cool. So how did you get to Angular then? I mean, with, with uh, single-page applications and all that stuff. Yeah, where does Angular come in? Uh, that, that came a bit later. So when we started doing more front-end heavy applications, we used a framework which was called uh, JavaScript MVC, um, which later then merged into what is known today, I think, CanJS or something like that. Yeah. was basically on top of jQuery. Uh, and uh, But it was a really nice framework because it had already like a compilation with the Clojure compiler built in and some MVC kind of uh, system, also with some kind of entities mapping and a really, really powerful framework. And you could also get very quickly started because we already knew somehow jQuery. 
And so that was kind of familiar. Also, if you need some UI plugins or something, you could basically just drop them in and, and it worked. And the only problem that framework actually had was, was a bit of the community side. So there wasn't that much of community around. So most of the time you could figure out the stuff yourself. But uh, we then at that time at that work where I have been working, we basically were an institution that worked mainly for the public government. And so we also had to start basically work together with external companies, outsource some work as well. So we're parts of it. We have been developing inside and some parts, basically our companies should develop on their own outside of, of our own basic control. And, and so it started to get more difficult because when you then start to, to talk to so the initial talks with those companies, I was like the tech lead at that time. And it was really difficult because you have basically had to teach them how JAWS to MVC worked. And, and that was when we then started to look around on some alternatives, basically. And so we stumbled up and uh, I remember I gave a look at uh, AngularJS at the time, Ember, and also Backbone, which were the major ones at the time. And then we then evaluated it within the team. We then started using AngularJS, so the version one at that time. Uh, and that worked out pretty well. So there was a lot of community. Also, then if external companies came in to collaborate with us, you basically had just to figure out on the common style guide and that was basically it because they already knew Angular. They already were comfortable with that kind of developing front-end applications. Uh, and so I basically, it was my first experience with AngularJS version one. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting too. I mean, you, you mentioned some of the advantages of using a, a well-used, well-understood technology and that, yeah, you hire somebody and all they really have to do is come on board with your style guide and then they can just get right to work. Um, I'm curious, what was it about Angular? You're, you're talking about, you know, Angular version one. What was it about Angular that really appealed to you that made you go, oh, this is the tool that we want to use? Was it the community and the level of adoption or was it something else? It was a mix, I think, between the community, but also the ease, easy to use. Uh, because uh, we compared them at, the, at that time, as, as I mentioned, Backbone, Ember, and Angular. And I basically did some example applications in there. And then we did like a meeting with the entire team and I basically showed some examples to them. We started to hack around with them. And so the entire team basically then decided up for AngularJS. It was mostly because, yeah, there was a lot of examples online. So if you searched up something, you immediately found uh, details about it, uh, about Angular docs and, and also a lot of blog posts. Um, but also the kind of easiness to use it. At least initially when you start, it seems quite easy. Then, of course, as you go ahead and create more complex applications, you had to follow some, some guidelines, to follow some, some, some patterns. But mm -hmm. those were as well quite easily uh, findable because there were a lot of already guidelines like from John Papa online, which you basically have followed and then you were on a good track to create some good applications actually. Makes sense. So uh, you're still doing things with Angular. You know, we've moved on to Angular 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. I don't think there was a 3 actually, so 2, 4, 5, and 6. But yeah, yeah we uh, three. how has that transition gone for you? Well, that was then, like I think two years later or three years later when we started with AngularJS, uh, I went to Angular Connect and it was the first edition at that time in London. And I listened to a couple of presentations there and they, basically Angular was just announced. Uh, I think it was announced like more or less a year before, but it was still in, in alpha beta stage. So it was kind of developed side by side uh, on, on AngularJS. 
and it looked really nice. And then I also got an, basically a request from Pact Publishing what I would like to do some video course uh, on some first versions of Angular, basically on, I think it was about Angular components. Yeah, it was a video course about Angular components. And I was always curious to do some, some video coursing and some besides blogging, which I already did. At the time, it was also a good occasion to start looking deeper into how Angular works to figure out really the details in order to also be able to do a proper video course, which uh, had also the, the, the quality I wanted to have it. And so that was when I started to look deeper into Angular. And then I think more or less a year later, or yeah, more or less eight, nine months later, we then also started new applications and those were then written in Angular directly. Nice. So what have you done in Angular that you're really proud of? Uh, I'm mostly, I've mostly done, I think, uh, like in the content production area. So I do participate in open source projects, but it's, I did maintain a couple of AngularJS projects where I basically took them over from their prior uh, maintainers or, or owners and then continued to basically enhance them and, and provide bug fixes and feature requests. And... But in Angular, it's not that I'm really maintaining a single library. It's more like uh, libraries I'm using, start contributing, start looking usually in the, into the source code. And then often I bring over uh, basically things I had used in other libraries. For instance, I did a lot of pull requests also for automating the release process of libraries, which then helped the authors of, of those libraries and these kind of pull requests. So I like to dig deeper once I start to use external components in my Angular app. That's usually also how I then get involved in some projects. Like right now, I'm, I'm also collaborating a bit on NGX Formly and some couple of other libraries where I'm contributing. But mostly it's, it's like content production. So I, I do write a lot of blog posts on my blog. I did that already before, but like in, I think the last two years, it's mostly Angular focused at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly around front development and Angular. Uh, and then the ICAD video courses online, so. Cool. What are you working on now? I mean, you, you kind of talked about some of the things that you've done. Are, are you still working on the same kinds of things at this point? Yeah, right now I'm preparing actually a talk for uh, NG Talks, which is a conference in the first Angular conference, actually community-driven one in Ukraine. Which oh, cool. is happening next week, so 9th and 10th August. And so I'm working on a talk there and the final basically preparations of that talk. It will be around uh, Angular forms, dynamic forms. So it will involve some NGX formally, uh, which I have just mentioned. So the one I've been using quite a lot in the past. It's because a lot of people don't actually know about it and it's really powerful. So I, I thought I could contribute that way to the authors of that library to make it a bit more, give them a bit more visibility, basically. Right. And then I'm also doing a lot of workshops. So I have to prepare a couple ones are upcoming in September and October. So work work there besides my day job. So gets quite busy these days. Uh, and some Mac code courses as well, yeah. So those are mainly the areas where I'm currently involved and where I'm currently focusing on. Sounds good. Well, the last thing that we have to uh, cover on this episode is picks. Do you have some things you wanted to shout out about on the picks? For you, the listeners of My Angular Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from 
just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Yeah, for sure, I inject formally. Uh, the one I ma- just mentioned. So definitely, if you're interested in dynamic forms, definitely check that out because in, it's not only for dynamic forms, actually. It, it makes, I think, forms in general quite easier uh, in Angular. Then check out Egghead.io. I uh, really love their style, how they do videos. Even before I started actually being an instructor there, so definitely check out some videos there. Also, if you if you come by some of uh, the ones I have done, just give me some feedback. So that would be really cool. And the last one is uh, a pick for the Mavic Air. I just got it last week, so it's really fun to to fly around with them. So, what is it again? It was the Mavic Air. So I bought a drone, which I oh, got last drone, week. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Got did some nice shoots. Very cool. That sounds like fun. Yeah, really. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and one of the Egghead guys, um, John, lives near here. So I see him here. Uh, so. Oh, cool. Great stuff there. All right, well, let's go ahead and... Uh, oh, I've got some picks too. I should, I should some picks. So the first pick I have is... I've been working on, and to my chagrin a little bit, uh, promising a little bit, a... Uh, a course on how to find a job. And I, this is something we get asked for pretty regularly. And um, I'm going to do a pre-sale on the course. Um, so if you're interested in, or if you're struggling to find a new job or find your first job, I've got content in it for both. And uh, I also treat a lot of things for remote folks. So um, most of the course is, you know, it's good for both. And I definitely cover, you know, finding a job near you that you can you know, go and work for. But yeah, we've also got, I'm covering the remote stuff because I have a number of people who live in areas where there isn't a strong tech community for them to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's out there too. Um, but yeah, go to devchat.tv and then just click on courses or products. I can't remember what the link is, but it's one of those. Um, then you can go ahead and uh, get that. Um, there's going to be an option to buy the, the ebook, and then there's going to be an option to get the video course. We can get either of those. Um, I'm going to do, I'm basically selling them for 50% off until the course is released. So if you want to get a deal on that, then definitely go grab that. Um, it will be released by Labor Day, which is the first Monday in September if you're not in the United States. And uh, yeah, we'll have that out there. So if you're interested in it, go check it out. Um, it's the thing that I get asked about more than anything else is, um, you know, how do I find my first programming job? Or um, sometimes the people wind up getting their first programming job, you know, either within the company they were working for or, you know, through some connections through the bootcamp they attended and so they don't know how to do a job search. And so they're kind of lost when it comes to getting that next job and they feel like it's time to move up and move on. So, yeah, so the, the course covers all that stuff. So I definitely check that out. Um, you can also find it at getacloderjob.com. Um, so I'll put all that out on the show notes. And then the other pick I have, and I've mentioned this on a few past uh, 
shows, but I'm going to be speaking at the Framework Summit, which is in Park City, Utah. Um, I live in Lehigh, Utah, which is 45 minutes away from there. Um, but Park City, Utah, it's uh, October 2nd and 3rd, I think. And uh, if you haven't been to Park City, it's this beautiful area. It's where they hold the Sundance Film Festival, if you're familiar with that. Um, it's also just a really great uh, town. It used to be a mining town, and now it's kind of a tourist town. And it's where the U.S. Winter Olympics team actually trains. But yeah, so it's going to be up there. And uh, I'm going to be speaking about Stimulus JS, but they're also having members of the core teams from Angular, React, Ember, um, Vue, and a bunch of others coming out a couple days before the conference to kind of have their own little private summit. And then they're going to all be there for the framework summit to talk to us about kind of the, the future of um, JavaScript. So if you're interested in that, definitely show up and be there. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, th those are kind of the things that I'm pushing and, and, and working for. So yeah. Cool. If people want to see what you're working on now, Yuri, if they want to follow you, say, on Twitter, you know, blog posts or things like that, where do they get all that stuff? And yeah, the best place is probably on Twitter. So I'm tweeting at, at Yuri SDR, so everything together uh, on Twitter. And uh, with the same name, YuriSDR.com, there's my website. But yeah, Twitter is probably the best way to catch up with me. Just drop me a line there. Always cool to meet new people. Awesome. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming and sharing your story and talking to us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, well, we'll wrap this one up, folks, and we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.